Hello. Welcome to Why Not Both. My name is Pam Schaefer, and I'm a musician and therapist in Los Angeles. Why Not Both is all about how our multiple passions inform our identity. And this season, we are brought to you by Under the Radar magazine and produced by Laura Studeris. If you like what you hear, please make sure to like us and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform and come spend time with us on social media. We are at WNB the podcast, and that is both on Instagram and on Twitter. For this episode, I had the utter delight of getting to talk to Nicole and Bim from Thirst Aid Kit, which is an amazing podcast, which you should all binge listen to right now. They are fantastic writers and human beings, and I hope that you enjoy our episode. Welcome to Why Not Both, where we talk about noise interruptions. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sirens, helicopters, chainsaws, like one does. Exactly. <laughs> 2020 in a nutshell, to be honest. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Time soup. <laughs> <laughs> My podcast used to be about how people balance multiple passions, and I guess it still is, though now it's sort of a how do you balance uh, gestures vaguely to everything. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So I guess that is what I would want to start off with is. How are both of you juggling all the things? I have I have good days and I have bad days. There are days when I am it's not it doesn't happen often, but every so often I am ahead of schedule. Mm-hmm. And it even it shocks even me because I'm like, oh, oh, this is nice. Like I haven't <laughs> I haven't really had this since January. This is nice. This is good. I'm delivering my deliverables at a reasonable hour. This is great. But generally speaking, it's a real feeling of what day is it? You know, like uh, Nicole and I sometimes joke that sometimes the thing that gives a weak structure is when we have a new episode out so we know it's Thursday it yeah. must be Thursday and then <laughs> like, okay so let me work backwards that means that thing I did was Tuesday and that means the thing I'm going to do tomorrow is going to be on a Friday okay good to know and that's like a really solid like it's a joke that's not really a joke but it does help to kind of orient me yeah. And just put me in a place of just like, okay, so I know that if I have to do this today, then here are the other things I have to do on other days. And that really helps to kind of keep the equilibrium. Definitely. Nicole and I were speaking to that right before you hopped in on the Zoom, that it's like, there's this unmoored feeling where it's like, how do you even know if you're ahead or behind of something when there aren't time markers? Right. Right. Oh, no, I'm I'm like, you did take a journey to the land of wet eyes today, but it sounds, <laughs> it sounds like perhaps you needed that journey. It's it's hard sometimes, especially like um like Bim was saying that like there's like new horrors lurking behind each door, that it's like when to know when to let go. Um and to actually just let it out and be like, Okay, the crying, it's overtaken me. We're running right. Yeah. <laughs> And also knowing, I think, what kind of outlets works. Because, you know, it's not it's not only a case of wet eyes, right? Like, there are times when you just have to kind of yell at something or just go to bed at, like, 5 p.m. and and come out the next day and kind of, like, we'll try it again tomorrow. And I think mm-hmm. understanding what works for you, when and how, and how to respond to things, it's all part of the same journey, I suppose, of this year and all the things that have happened this year is like, I think a lot of people for the first time, maybe, um, are understanding something about their own body's responses for the first time, you know, like, oh, this means X and this means Y. And when that happens, I'm going to do Z. And I think those are things that are, it's horrible to learn it this way, but hopefully in years to come, they remain a useful tool to have in your own arsenal to understand your own emotions a little bit better. I know I'm coming off as incredible therapy speak right now, but <laughs> but it's not wrong, I don't think. I think there is something to be said for cataloging. You know, like when we were kids, I know many people were encouraged to keep a diary or to keep a journal or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and it's useful, I think, still to kind of like go back and read something that felt so big and like it was never going to end in the moment. And then you come back to it a year, two years, five years later, and you're like, wow, I do not remember this thing that I thought would define my every waking moment thereafter. I don't even remember it, let alone has it colored how I view life or whatever. And I think it's the same thing for your own body. It's just like, oh, this is this is this this results in this thing. And 
now that I know that I can be a little bit more cognizant of that going forward so that I don't I don't surprise myself again like what's this <laughs> you know I think that's paying attention I think is part of it it's only a small part of the many other things you have to do in your life but it's, it's definitely an important part oh uh, <laughs> I don't think I'm juggling very well um <laughs> we were actually just recording um today and I had a crying spell which I never do um I do not cry in public or where people can see me unless it's like you're my mother mm-hmm. um and so I just kind of had to have a little a little case of the wet eyes today <laughs> but, oh that's the most endearing way I've ever heard someone refer to crying <laughs> <laughs> oh. yeah bless it was a very it was a very touching moment because if, if I, I honestly thought to myself god if I'm seeing this then <laughs> Nicole is feeling some feelings like we've been friends for years now and it's just like a, an acknowledgement that I just, I just have, I know it, that Nicole is, she, she always has her shit together outside. You know what I mean? Right. And so to kind of see her, you know, a case of the wet eyes, I was like, oh shit, we are all in this. <laughs> like it really felt like a sort of like, oh no, the plates have stopped spinning for like a brief moment. We'll pick them up shortly. But right now I think, the plates have demanded to be put down. So we're just going to honor that and put the plates down. <laughs> yep. And that's a powerful moment the first time you're able to cry around someone. I, th- I mean, it's a lot of things. And like, it's, I'm, it's, it's never a case of doubt that Nicole feels things. It's never that. But I think it's just also, sometimes it just kind of comes out. And it's, it's I'm glad she did it with us. You know, it felt nice and nice and safe. But I, mm-hmm. but I also understand that sometimes you just get a little bit overwhelmed because you know, any number of outside variables have all kind of collided in your own body. So it's like a number of things meeting some stuff at your own place. And you're just kind of like, you know what, you know what, I'm done. (laughs) And so it's just, it it was kind of, um, bless her heart. It was a, it was actually a really lovely moment of just like, being inside something and I felt very close to her I was like oh look that was this is the result of something um emotional because she just she just done something very emotional on the show written something mm-hmm. really lovely and I was complimenting her and I was like oh my god and she just started crying and I was like right that never happens so oh. bless her. exactly oh. so um but yes it, I felt really kind of I said to her I said oh my god it's a breakthrough <laughs> she kind of <laughs> But it really was kind of just like, I think it was just a feeling of just being friends with someone and being able to just um, in the moment kind of feel very connected to them. Because it then made me also get wet eyes. And I was like, oh my God, there's so much love in this Zoom right now. And it was very I was like, the wet eyes were contagious. Exactly. And to know that it was such a moment of connection when there's been so much you know like you said like horror lurking behind everything that the thing that did finally make Nicole cry was something like beautiful and connected I'm right like, oh, my heart that was, that was nice that was very nice yes I will say oh yes <laughs> it, was a, <laughs> it was a nice uh set of compliments from them and I don't know they just moved me and then I just ended up trying not to cry and failing <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. And I think it was just like to, to kind of fit in with all of 2020 as well. It's just this feeling of overwhelmedness. Like at every turn, there is like a new horror <laughs> lurking, waiting to be unfolded or waiting to be unwrapped. And you're just like, Jesus, like what now? And I think <laughs> a part of you is kind of like, well, if I start crying, I'll never stop right mm-hmm. yeah so you have to you have to pick a moment but sometimes the moment picks it for you and it's like now now is the time I'm going to do it right now and you're like all right go with God like this is a thing that we're doing right now because <laughs> I am very much a I, I don't know you know I try to be very silly and goofy um with my friends and I don't know I um I mean your friends are there to be vulnerable with you but I still don't want to be a burden mm. So I try to hold on to all of it and then it leaks out because somebody was nice to me. 
no. <laughs> You've been kind. Here's some feelings. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yep. And I think, I think also it just speaks to, I just need some sweetness in my life, you know, right now. I think we all do. And so what Bim said was really sweet and kind and thoughtful. Um, and it was just what I needed. So it's just like flipped a little switch inside. Um, yeah. It's also just like, it's sad that someone being nice to me would make me cry. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, I don't want to talk to my therapist about this. So. <laughs> You're like, it's like that meme of that penguin, just like sad, slapping a heart and glitter onto a card. Like, I guess I'm going to have to address these nice feelings now. <laughs> Basically, Nicole is angry pingu right now. Yes. 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 Yeah, well, it's tough, and I always remind people that, like, your friends actually like to be there for you when you're having bad feelings, because how good does it feel when, like, your friend comes to you and they're upset, and you're the one that helps them, you're like, I'm a superhero. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, you have to give your friends those opportunities, though, because if you're always like, oh, I'm fine, your friend's like, well, what am I doing here? <laughs> Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. That was my I'm, reaction today. I was like, yes. <laughs> Cry, Nicole. Cry. <laughs> Weep uh, how good I am. Exactly. <laughs> You're welcome, Nicole. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> and I think um, the pandemic and being quarantined has also affected um, to kind of get back to um, the heart of your podcast here. Um, one of my hobbies that I wanted to restart. Uh, so around February, I started buying um, camera uh, cameras and camera equipment and stuff like that mm -hmm. because I do dabble um, in very amateur photography. Um, I have never taken a class. I keep saying I'm going to take a class, but I haven't done it. So I've just been trying to learn photography for a very, very long time. And um, I said that I was gonna start again. So I started buying stuff and was really looking forward to spring because I could get out and start taking pictures and go on walks and all this kind of stuff. And then quarantine happened. <laughs> um, so I was not able to go out. And even though I adopted a cat in April, there are only so many pictures of her that I can take. <laughs> like, I, I would actually like to take pictures of, you know, people <laughs> and like being outside. Um, and, you know, a lot of vacation plans and working vacation plans, of course, were canceled. And I was definitely yeah. looking forward to, you know, doing some touristy stuff, taking some touristy type pictures. And so all of that got pushed to the side. Um, and now as things are opening up, I've tried to bring my camera with me um, to certain places. And um, the first outing that my friends and I went to, I brought my camera. So I took pictures of Bim and our other friends. And so that was nice. And, but I, it just was, um, you know, I definitely, I definitely have to warm up that muscle again, um, mm -hmm. of getting in the zone of taking pictures and feeling comfortable to take pictures of strangers, um, mm -hmm. particularly, you know, even though everyone has a camera on their phone now and everyone's always recording something, there's still something to be said about making sure the people you're taking pictures of are actually okay with you taking pictures of them. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm still very conscious of that. Also, I'm, you know, I'm a little older, so I don't I still have like manners and I still want to be like, oh, it's okay <laughs> if I, if I take this picture of you, but then I also have to deal with, no, I want them to be as natural as possible um, right. in this environment. So there are all these things going on and I have to like rebuild, um, rebuild that muscle, rebuild that sense of being able to take a picture quickly without them realizing that I'm taking the picture so they don't pose and all that kind of stuff. So I'm looking forward to getting back out there at some point to actually take pictures again um, and relearn this and maybe hopefully actually take an actual class, an actual class um, so that I can learn stuff. Because what I'm learning on my own is, I don't know, it's very slow going, um, but I do want to take an actual class and learn 
all the doodads and <laughs> doohickeys that are on my camera. <laughs> not like having a good command of your camera, then it kind of dovetails with what you're talking about of then like a lot of what you're talking about sounds almost like the interpersonal documentation through pictures. And once you have a command of your equipment, you can then access more of those interpersonal skills more quickly because you're not like, oh, let me figure out what's going on with like the F's up on my camera. You're like, okay, going to do that really fast. And then I can actually attend to what I'm photographing. Because <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. a lot mm -hmm. of stuff that I take pictures of, you know, and the people I post them or I'll share them and people like them, they're kind of happy accidents or mm -hmm. they're just something I may have actually pictured how I want it to look in my head. And it may turn out like that, but I don't know the language of how I am picturing mm. the pictures. <laughs> um, so <laughs> I, would, I would like to learn the language and be able to talk about stuff because I've even like maybe over 10 years ago now, um, I shot a friend's wedding and, and you know obviously it was a very small intimate thing um and the pictures did turn out well um but people then were kind of like oh how did you shoot this what f-stop you know actually asking me what f-stop did you use for this I'm like I don't know I just <laughs> <laughs> I just know how I wanted it to look and I made it happen so I would like to be able to talk intelligently about this hobby one day <laughs> well, it, it sounds like it, it's in line with storytelling, like whether it's writing or podcasting or photography, it sounds like you've got the storytelling bit down and you're like, oh, I'd like to learn more about the actual tools behind this. Yes, yes. Storytelling is very important to me. Um, and I guess, yes, photography is another way for me to do that. Um, and yeah, I've always been fascinated with it. I remember when I was a little girl. And I had my Montana camera and um, just taking pictures. And I really liked the, the sound of advancing the film as well. Um, all, the, all the technical stuff with it. But, um, you know, I have a brother and a sister. So it was three of us. And my mother, um, you know, was basically raising us alone at the time. Um, and... I just didn't want to burden her with constantly like, can you go get my film developed? <laughs> you know, those kinds of mm -hmm. requests. And obviously I was very little and didn't have a way of making money. So yeah. I put photography on hold for a very long time. And then once I became an adult and could actually afford to have, um, you know, um, luxury income, <laughs> I guess you could say. Um, and I went back into photography and again, I just really, I liked it. Um, I like portraits, but I also like, getting really up close on stuff, doing the um, macro mm -hmm. um, photography. And um, I think that kind of speaks to my writing style where I like to zoom in on one particular thing um, so that it's very specific, but because it's so specific, so many people can appreciate it and relate to it. So yeah. that's how I feel with macro photography that, you know, once people realize, oh, this is a strawberry seed or something, I don't know, but you know, <laughs> once they realize that's what it is, then they kind of like zoom out to see right. the rest of the picture. And that's mm -hmm. how I want to see, mm -hmm. that's how I kind of want my writing, um, particularly my poetry to be received. I love that. And I, I love that idea of like, that it is the detail, it is the macro lens that weirdly enough then makes things micro, which makes things macro again. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. my mind just like went to all these images of like lenses zooming in and out and the metaphorical meaning thereof and I'm like well you've taken me to a place <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness and are you experiencing when you are out and about like I guess that that would inform what you're even taking pictures of because it the spring probably looks very different than you anticipated Right. Um, so again, I feel limited. Um, I don't want to just keep taking pictures of people walking by on the streets. Um, I mean, there's beauty in that and there's something interesting in that, but I, I was really looking forward to all the different things that I could have taken pictures of. Um, and so I'm trying to adjust my mind, um, particularly because when I'm out, I do just have 
you know, one thing that I'm trying to do before I can hurry up and get back inside. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, I do have a compromised immune system. So I'm trying to be very conscious of that and make sure that I am still protecting myself as well as others. So when I am out, it's very much, okay, I'm, you know, I'm going out to this outdoor bar with my friends. This is pretty much all that we can do. And then we have to hurry up and get back inside. And so I'm also trying to make sure that I am enjoying the time with my friends while I'm out and not just like, okay, yeah, haha, it's great to see you. Let me see what I, what subjects I can find to take pictures of. You know, I, I want to, I want to honor the time that we're having together since we haven't been able to spend so much time together. Well, but I also want to, um, you know, kind of look around and see what's available to me to take pictures of. Yeah. And trying to balance that when it's like both are kind of scarce. Right. Right. I'm glad that you even talked about like the idea of having a compromised immune system in this scenario where people who don't have that experience even still have a patina of kind of anxiety about socializing right now about being out and about because there are so many risks that you have to constantly be calculating um, and that even going outside is a risk. And so it's like, well, what kind of risk do you want to assume? And then once you're running that kind of in your background script, then how do you enjoy being with your friends? How do you enjoy making art? Right. So there's all these things that are constantly running in your mind. And so to be able to just, you know, enjoy the moment of friendship that um, we haven't had in a long time is very um I don't know, it's very precious. So I'm, I want to try to make sure that I honor that and stay present, um, even as I am clicking away sometimes on, <laughs> on my camera. <laughs> when you were talking about the, the sound of film advancing, I had bought a disposable camera at some point in the last year and realized that like, even just that sound of turning the wheel for the film is so satisfying. It is, it is. It's just a nice little, it's like, a, it's a heavy but quick click. I don't know how else to describe it. It's, yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, I love that sound. I was wondering, how do both of you feel as storytellers during this time? Because you do have the podcast coming out every Thursday, and that definitely keeps you moored in kind of like the space-time continuum. Mm -hmm. But like, what is it like being storytellers right now? Um, I mean... I have two jobs. So we make first aid kits and have done for a few years now. Um, and I love, I love doing, it. I love working with Nicole. I love being able to kind of spin very specific yarns on our show and go down very specific roads that we have ourselves chosen, but also mm -hmm. where the subject leads us. So that's always very nice. And then in my other job, I work on um, a radio show um, that also goes out as a podcast. And that is rooted in a much more traditional storytelling, you know, beginning, middle, mm -hmm. end mm -hmm. as a theme. Mm -hmm. um, and so one feeds the other. Um, and, and I think that's like a nice, I, I, I think I'm very lucky to kind of have an outlet that kind of feeds very different beasts, um, mm -hmm. but still kind of amounts to the same thing, which is making, you know, really lovely, warm, human radio and uh, audio sounds in general um and it's nice that i get to kind of switch modes where for oftentimes on this american life i am not even necessarily on the radio i'm producing off radio so there's a lot of backstage stuff that i get to do listen to mm -hmm. listen to tape and edit and all that other stuff um and then i get to occasionally um host the show from time to time whenever um, you know, Ira is, is not able to do it and is like, yeah, you should do it. And that feels nice to be able to kind of use my voice on, on that particular thing. But I'm also really happy doing that in the way that we do on First Aid Kit. So it feels nice that I, I haven't stopped telling stories. And when we first kind of came indoors and we, we came indoors in March and we mm -hmm. haven't been back to the office in any kind of solid way since, um, there was a worry that, oh gosh, are we going to be able to do it, you know? I brought my massive desktop home with me um, so I can edit on a much larger screen without having to yes. kind of squint and ruin my eyes on Pro Tools on my laptop. Um, <laughs> oh, I know this vibe so well. Yes, go Right, <laughs> right. So, so there, was, there was this worry of kind of like, sure, we can make radio, but, you know, will it sound the same? Will it be extra difficult? Will it take on 
all sorts of new and potentially terrible forms and so on. And, you know, there was an adjustment period. Um, and the same with, with Thursday Kit, where we, you know, Nicole and I, so much of what we do is reliant on our in-person chemistry. You know, mm -hmm. like we're really good friends in real life, but also there's something that's added when we're both in the same room and we are able to kind of track expressions on each yeah. other's faces and are yeah. able to kind of gauge something or you know there's a lot of spontaneous laughter on the show and it's often triggered by somebody spotting the other person doing something out the side of their eye and it's like oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know um and so it felt re even you know and the, the energy of having our producer you know outside the booth kind of directing us from from that as well like once that's gone it's like oh how do we can we can we recreate that? Can we do that still? And it turns out, thankfully, we can. And I don't say that to kind of like talk about how great we are because <laughs> the thing is, I have listened to some podcasts where you know the hosts are friends, and you're like, man, you could have fooled me because I do not feel that chemistry. And like, I know you guys are friends in real life, but I'm not feeling it. And then we were worried that something would go if one or both of us were, in, you know. In, in our homes but actually it's been great and we have different ways of doing it when we first came home we would just do voice only and then we kind of incorporated video so we record separately and then we also kind of have the call over zoom so we can see one another mm. and that really helps as well so in terms of the storytelling itself there was a period of adjustment and then we kind of settled into where we've been um for much of most of the run of episodes that we've done since we've been home yeah. And you mentioned something that's so interesting about the interpersonal chemistry that happens when you're in the same room with someone. Mm. That like, it sounds like you were able to kind of capture that spark, even though you're in separate places, but that that's kind of that undefinable thing that, like you said, you can feel that energy when people are talking on a podcast. And like you said, even when you know they're good friends, you're like, are you though? <laughs> <laughs> right, right. It's a, it's, it's a thing that you, and I have to kind of not be a snob about it and kind of be like, Ugh, we do it so much better. It's like, well, actually, there's different ways of doing whatever. And I think what we were worried about was maintaining that very specific energy of, you know, Thursday kit and the discussions that we have on the show. And would that work if we weren't able to kind of like occasionally slap each other's arm across the desk or right. <laughs> kind of throw our head back and really laugh in a very full-throated way. And, you know, there's all the issues of timing and technology. And it's like, wait, there's, this, this joke is on a delay and you just got what I was, oh no. So there was that worry. And we were kind of ironing stuff out. Mm -hmm. But I think we really have settled back into a groove where, and you know, and shout out to our listeners who are also very accommodating of the fact that we are making a podcast in very different circumstances to right. what they're used to. Right. They've been quite generous and very warm. And, you know, every so often we send out an apology. Apologies for the echo or the tinny sound or sometimes Nicole's cat, who is very noisy, <laughs> will <laughs> pop by for a little time on the podcast. And I'm like, sis, sit down, please. Um, <laughs> but again, people have been incredibly forgiving and very generous. I think there's an understanding that we're all experiencing some level of upheaval yeah. and sometimes that will bleed out into your headphones but it's not the end of the world you'll be fine just power through it as we are <laughs> <laughs> well there's been almost this I was talking to another guest about this about like how we used to have this mythos about creators that it's like they're somehow creating somewhere on a lovely cloud where they eat pure inspiration um and now we've all seen that like, no, we're, we're all a bit messy and human. And that that in some ways actually has made people engage with art even more when they're like, oh, oh, you have funky audio too sometimes. Okay. <laughs> and like Waiting for the perfect circumstances is not how most creative people create. Like, you know, I think often about that thing about the, you know, the pram in the hall. But it's like everyone is juggling something at the best of times. You are, mm -hmm. no one is ever doing one thing purely. You're doing everything. And actually, in the best case scenario, the other things you do end up feeding into the main thing that you do, right? Yeah. And that's the same thing with the problems. If there's, if there's a small problem in one place, it tends to amplify across all the things that you do. But it doesn't mean you stop doing it. It means that you modify and try and find a way to kind of balance and keep it going. I'm nodding sagely. This is getting. <laughs> I, I felt feel your nod. I felt it. 
Oh, yes. I feel like sometimes when I'm interviewing people, because that's a great idea, by the way, with the video, I sometimes feel like I'm playing like a role-playing game where you have to type in the physical actions that you do. And it almost feels like in the early 90s, like kind of like those text games where it's just like, yes. I step once to the left. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love those games. But yes, it does feel like you're, you are at a remove. Yeah. Yeah. It's very strange. And I'm curious, how did that inform changing what you did production-wise on This American Life? Because that, like you said, that show does have such structure to it. Mm. That it's like people know what to expect with that show. That's, mm. It must have been a really interesting transition to go through with that. I mean, we have such amazing people working behind the scenes. Like all the voices that you hear on the show are amazing, but so many of the voices are just not ever on the air. Mm -hmm. But they're the ones who kind of set out a whole new system about here's how we do recorded interviews. And this is how, because it was so clear that we weren't going to go outside into the world um, and get our interviews the usual way where you go with your recorder and you go with your producer and you have a chat and blah, blah, blah. And that was in itself a really, because I mean, the first few weeks, it was just a bunch of questions. Wait, what do I do? How does this work? Wait, how do I play? How do we do the edits? How are you going to hear yeah. the audio? How are you blah, blah, blah. So there was a lot of kind of back and forth and trying to figure out the best way and also to do it at the highest quality with the understanding that the world is different currently. So I'm, I'm, I mean, we get the occasional email kind of going, how are you guys still making radio? And I'm like, aha, it's the radio fairy. It's very magical. But of course it's not the radio fairy. It's a bunch of really hardworking people who are testing multiple systems to see what works. Like I think often about how before this pandemic, almost no one had heard of Zoom. Uh -huh. yes. uh -huh. and now we know it enough to use it as a verb you know so that that's basically what our sound engineers and everybody else at, at the show is doing is doing a number of tests on different platforms trying to find the best quality sound um you know the, the stuff that feels like you are in the room even though clearly you are not and that has been a really interesting thing to kind of see people collect reports from across the country sometimes outside of the country and it's all done by a phone or, you know, VOIP or whatever. Yeah. Um, and that's an interesting thing as well. Like, I feel like it's expanded a bunch of skill sets um, as well. So it's not all bad. Yeah. Like when Nicole was talking about kind of capturing people candidly in a way, it's almost the same thing, like trying to capture stories candidly without letting the technology necessarily interrupt it, even though it's almost right. like you have to kind of forget the technology is there. Right, but you can't because you, you, every so often in the middle of an interview, you're like, sorry, can you just uh, make sure you've got the headphones plugged in? <laughs> you know, and someone's telling you like an emotional story and you're like, oh my God, that sounds terrible. Quick thing, could you just increase the volume just a little bit? You know, in a way that you could self uh, like adapt if you were in the room, you'd move the mic yourself or you'd go there, you know what I mean? And suddenly yes. it's kind of like, it feels like we're roping in a lot of our interviewees into the production system. <laughs> I'm just kind of like, I'm pretty you but also could you produce yourself just a tiny bit just you know? a teeny weensy bit right yes. and that's yeah. that's been a, that's been a weird little curveball to kind of and I imagine for the for the contributors as well it's like wait what you know and so many of them you know again it's such a clear understanding that so many of us only know the technology that we know and once yes. it's outside of that comfort zone you're kind of like wait what and that's been true for us I, I can only imagine it's true for people who aren't audio professionals as well that's so funny what you said about Zoom and it sparked in my mind like the evolution of language because prior to this I had been, I had used Zoom in my professional practice as a therapist because it was HIPAA compliant, but I did have to educate clients on what Zoom was so that when they were traveling and wanted to have sessions, I'm like, oh, this has clear audio quality and it's also privacy compliant. Um, and that all of a sudden, I, I feel so like at the beginning of this, I felt bizarrely vindicated that I was just like, yes, <laughs> now you shall all know. Because <laughs> like, people have been like Skype or FaceTime. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, well, we all caught up finally. And now it is strange that it's a, that it's a verb. I hadn't even thought of that because I, I verb things frequently without thinking about it. Right, right. <laughs> I do too. <laughs> it's like, I don't know what that says about me that I want to take words and turn them into action. But. <laughs> right. 
that's fascinating to think about also like both sides of it that you are, you know, both of you in some ways are kind of in the front person role where you are host, but also both of you are in both of your other endeavors, like the behind the scenes person almost. Like obviously the photographer does influence what's in the image and the producer influences what turns out in the show, but what people see is like the end result, like they see the photograph or they hear the show. Mm -hmm. Right. And I was, I was wondering, I was like, do you like that duality of like, in some ways being the front person and in other ways being like, Ooh, no, I am, I'm the magician behind the curtain over here. Uh, I prefer to be behind the curtain. It's one of the reasons I was very frustrated with my previous career in education. Um, I thought that I wanted to be a teacher, but I realized it was just because that's what people were telling me that I should be doing. Um, and I did not enjoy being in front of the classroom. So from after I tried to be a teacher for a second, um, which, you know, I did enjoy interacting with the students and teaching, but I did not enjoy being in front of the classroom. So that was difficult for me. So I just ended up going behind the scenes and getting involved in um, administration and curriculum building and things like that so that I'm still able to be, uh, so that I was still able to be a part of students' lives, but not in front of them. Um, so, <laughs> um, uh, so when it comes to doing the podcast um, or even my writing, um, and yes, photography, I like being behind the camera. Um, one of the reasons that I picked up a camera finally in my adulthood was it was a good way to avoid um, taking pictures, like having people take pictures of me because I don't like mm. people taking pictures of me. And so I was like, okay, well, I can control the situation if I'm the one taking the pictures. And so um, that added to me trying to learn photography more. And so in the podcast world, I love being behind the, being behind the mic, which is not in front of the camera. <laughs> um, you know, like I, I, I like um, being able to have these messy scripts, um, you know, that we write out, that we build and I can, you know, scratch all through uh, when I'm looking at them and nobody sees that they just see the final product um, or what they hear is the final product of that. So I, mm -hmm. I prefer being behind uh, the scenes, but knowing that all the stuff in front could not happen without me. <laughs> so, so that's still how I get my ego boost. You know, some people are made to be in front of the camera to get all the accolades and to get all the fame. I want to be the person who, you know, makes the fame for someone else happen, I guess. And you know, that it's still an important role. Yes. Like pay attention to me, but like from over there. Yes, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Which is, you know, um, Ben brought up my cat, but I am very much a cat like person that way where I'm, you know, pay attention to me, but I'm going to be over here in the corner. Mm -hmm. um, and if you stop paying attention to me, even though I'm ignoring you, I'm going to be very upset. <laughs> so that, <laughs> that is me in a nutshell. <gasps> that that's deeply relatable my neighbor's cat adopted me and I'm actually allergic to cats much like I'm, I'm allergic to everything um <laughs> uh, but I'm slowly acclimating with the use of Zyrtec because she's very much she wants to be in my home and mm -hmm. thankfully she's actually she'll occasionally be affectionate but frequently she actually will sit across my home from me but want to be there. She will meow if I do not let her in. She'll meow, she'll jingle her collar, she'll like scratch at the door. She does all the things to come in. Right. right. But she only wants to be proximal. It's like, <laughs> she likes to be admired from afar. But like, and I, I'm like, I respect this so much because that's so me. It's like, look at me, look at me, look at me, look at, oh, from over there. Look at me. Yes, yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. That's far enough. Stay where you are. That's great. Thank exactly. you. Thank you for the admirers. Uh, I'll just be over here. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I very much relate to that. And it is gratifying then when you see the project kind of like take flight or you see someone succeed and you're like, ah, oh, yes, I know in my heart that's because of me. Mm. <laughs> yes. <laughs> My favorite yes. drug. Yes. It's a great feeling. 
Yes, yes. And it's such, and I was wondering, Mim, if that's how you feel like when, when episodes launch of This American Life to be like, I did that. <laughs> I mean, I am wildly egotistical about my work <laughs> and only my work. So I am really happy when I do have that moment of like, oh yeah, I directed that or, oh yeah, I produced that thing. You know, especially because sometimes when I'm producing, I'm not, you don't hear me at all. I'm just, of course, but sometimes producers produce and they are also like the reporter in the piece. But a lot of the time, um, my experience so far has been that I produce pieces that I am not actively in. So you don't hear me at all. But there, there is for me, there's, and there's always been a thing of pride for me. Like, you know, I come from print journalism, so you always have a byline. Mm-hmm. But every so often, you know, I started out as a writer, then I went into editing, and now I'm kind of a bit of both in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, and every time a piece that I edited kind of got like good feedback, or somebody would pull out a paragraph and kind of go, oh, I love this. And I'm like, I did that, thank you. <laughs> you know, and that's like a really nice feeling still to have. And when people kind of compliment the show, even when I haven't worked on the show that week, I'm like, thank you so much. Thanks. We work very hard. Thank you. You know, like it's a real feeling of just like, oh, I'm part of a machine. Like I am a cog in a machine and what we put out finds a place in people's ears and hearts, hopefully. And that's like a, 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 a source of really great pride for me. I love that. And thinking about even like the topic of thirst aid kit, that it's like, it's such a vulnerable topic that you two are discussing as well. And so when that finds, like when it emotionally lands, it must be very gratifying. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. (laughs) I, you know, uh, it's really um, affirming when our listeners let us know that we have helped them through something difficult, Um, Mm -hmm. you know, because that's not, that was not the purpose. Um, that was not what we were shooting for when we started um, doing the show or even just talking about it. We didn't have any kind of grand plan to be like, we are going to help people get through the most difficult times in the, of their lives. Um, you know, it, was, right, it right. was nothing like that at all. We just wanted to be able to give um, people, especially women, uh, a place to express their desires and, mm-hmm. you know, um, so when they write us, when they DM us, when they email us, when they tweet us, when they send us messages on Tumblr, when they go to our personal uh, Twitter, <laughs> so they, like they're just all, Ooh. everywhere they find us, <laughs> they will find us. But when they do and they tell us something like, you know, um, I was having a really hard time with my breakup with my boyfriend, but now I realize that, you know, it's okay for me to... Um, have this healthy crush on this person that I'll never meet or whatever. Or um, even when something is a bit more serious, when um, survivors write in to tell us that we're kind of helping them give themselves permission to desire men again um, in a safe way, in a way that they can control. That really touches us. Like we have, you know, kind of gotten these emails and then looked at each other like, holy crap, this is what this is what our show is doing. Um, you know, that kind of stuff. We get DMs from people who identify as asexual, um, who are just like, this isn't really my wheelhouse, but I like what you're doing and you're giving me a way to express what feelings I do have um, in a way that I wasn't expecting. So all this kind of stuff, just really, really appreciate that. And we love it. And we're very grateful um, for that kind of feedback. It does make us feel good. It does make us feel like we're not just talking you know, to each other. Um, and you know, for a while, that was a concern of mine that it was just you know, here's this thing that we were doing because we like doing it, which is enough. But it's also just like, but is anybody else out there going to understand what we're trying to do? And mm-hmm. it has been um, great to know that people do understand us. They get us, they love us, and um, they love the work that we do. Well, and you're speaking to something that often isn't spoken to, like female desire is very threatening and misunderstood and maligned often mm-hmm. in our culture, mm-hmm. um, or has made a into a joke where it's like that someone's desperate. And so I love that you speak to desire as something that's healthy and multifaceted and fascinating and funny. And I think that that might unleash something in people that, you know, like I love that you were talking about people that might be on the ace or arrow spectrum that don't necessarily have words to talk about 
what they feel like one of my friends is telling me about like you know kind of having an aromantic crush and calling it like a squish <laughs> I like that I like that. I love that term I was just like oh I have felt that before where you're not romantically into someone but boy are you into them <laughs> right. I was like ah a squish I will now have a word for that um and so it is I think it I'm trying to think of how to phrase it it's like you know you've hit on a good idea when you're expressing it quite accidentally even like a universal experience that people are having where they're like oh I, I wish I had thought about desire this way and now you're talking about it now I can think of it this way mm-hmm. that's fascinating and that's really I'm like that's so touching that you are able to reach people like that and it would be very I personally at least think it would be deranged if someone's like I'm gonna start a podcast to change other people's lives <laughs> right yeah <laughs> Are you though? That sounds a little like megalomaniacal. <laughs> a little bit, yeah. <laughs> like just, just a tiny. <laughs> and that's a thing that happens a lot too with 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 our show, and people kind of come in and say, "Oh, I thought X, but actually, I listened to a couple of episodes, and you do Y," and we're like, "Yeah." Mm-hmm. We know, like so much of what we're doing. I think people really have this, uh, and I, I understand why it doesn't make it any less frustrating, but I think people really believe that podcast people go into a studio, chat shit for an hour and then peace out. And then that is just like what you get in your ears. And you can see the surprise when people kind of go, oh God, that was a really thoughtful interview. And we're like, yeah, we know. It's a really weird thing when people have certain expectations <laughs> of your of your work and then they're forced to kind of confront the reality of your work. Mm-hmm. And then it's a case of just like, oh, I was wrong. And, you know, it's very hard not to be completely churlish, but I'm just kind of like, hmm, yeah, okay. Well, welcome, <laughs> welcome to the correct side of history. But also it would have cost you so little to do a tiny bit of research beforehand. There's a feeling that all the elements that make us us are in separate silos. Mm. And the reality, of course, is that there's a lot of mixing of the grain, actually. Um, And, you know, one thing informs the other, which informs another, and so on and so forth. And it's like an endless loop of all your influences. Like when people say that thing about, you know, oh, what's your writing style? And the answer, of course, is that your writing style, while yours, is also an amalgamation of every of your favorite writers. Mm -hmm. And what comes out is some sort of alchemical situation, right? And I think about that in terms of our podcast, but also in life in general. Like no one is living like completely separate from everyone else. When people kind of have a thought, it's kind of like that was definitely your independent thought, but it is for sure influenced by the same cultural soup that a bunch of us are are swimming in, you know? And maybe you got there first or maybe you whatever, because I do think, you know, when we talk about our podcast as well, we started, we did our pilot in 2017 um, and we've been talking about it for months before then. Um, And and, sorry? I said, oh, wow. Like I didn't, like, I'm like, tell me more basically. Yeah. So again, when people kind of talk about female desire and how it's been misunderstood for so long, of course, we're not the first. But, you know, I also think about the ways that Nicole and I and our producers over the years sat down to kind of shape this show. And what we were doing, as well as wanting to say what we wanted to say, was also to kind of address the things that people hadn't said. So there is a lot of kind of like filling in an absence, but also kind of synthesizing what's present already. And I'm putting it into a sort of format that I do think has influenced many of the podcasts um, in terms of how they talk about stuff or even the way their own format uh, kind of fits into what we helps to kind of like pioneer. Um, and that's very thrilling for me as well to understand, you know, the, the sudden kind of explosion of podcasts where people are kind of talking about specific things that perhaps they had thought they couldn't before. Mm-hmm. That gives me a really warm sense of satisfaction and like a, a good amount of like, yeah, good feeling that, yeah, we did do something here. And that was not the intention. Like Nicole said, we weren't out here kind of like sitting down and having a summit. Like, so how do we change podcasting? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's nice to kind of have the acknowledgement of people say directly to us, oh my God, you inspired me to do X. Or yeah. you know, it happens in our in our inbox every day in a much smaller way where people say, oh my God, 
I wrote my first bit of fanfic. Thank you so much for kind of sort of giving me permission to do it. And it's like, wow, it was always there. But I'm glad we were the spur that kind of led you down this particular road. Yeah, it's like you're the catalyst. And in a way, like when you see someone else doing something that's even, um, that seems unattainable or that seems shameful like to express and you see someone else express it it kind of dispels that shame and emboldens you to be able to engage with it as well right and so if you're like well i guess if if i they're putting themselves out there maybe maybe i can do it a teeny tiny bit myself right and that's very much the tenor of some of the messages we get where it's kind of like i i i I don't know what i was doing before i listened to you guys thank you so much for validating that is a common word in the emails Mm -hmm. like thank you for validating oh my god i thought i was the only one who felt this way oh my god everyone else too like there's a current you know somebody sent a message into our tumblr talking about how much they fancied hawkeye from mash Mm -hmm. (laughs) and and they were met (laughs) they were met with enthusiasm by us replying on tumblr and then of course other people were like, oh my God, I thought it was just me. Oh my God, Alan Alder. Oh my God, oh my God. And it's like, aha, see? And we say it all the time, the church of thirst is very broad. <laughs> there is room for all sorts of denominations. But every so often you find, you know, like <laughs> the Baptists find other Baptists and the Episcopalians yep. find their own group. And it's like, aha, this is the road that we can go down. And we say it often too, like we don't fancy everybody you fancy and you don't mm-hmm. fancy everyone we fancy. And so the podcast is not about prescribing something. It's about giving you, hopefully anyway, uh, tools to kind of examine, because that's like the key thing we want to do. We want to talk about the first object. We want to talk about women's desire, um, especially to black women. Um, Mm -hmm. But also we're not here to tell you how to feel. We just want you to kind of go forth, do it happily, but also question certain things. Like, why do I fancy this person? And what we do on the show is break down for us anyway, the whys of a person's allure. Like there are so many things that go into it. Um, And we don't shy away from examining some of the things that might be kind of harmful. You know, Nicole Mm -hmm. talks often Mm -hmm. about how she feels a very strong urge to kick against the idea of fancying someone who is blonde uh, with blue eyes. Because for so long, Mm -hmm. that was the idea of the ideal kind of beauty. And if you're pushing against that, because in the world that you live in, you are somehow seen as not desirable, Right. It, it takes on a very different kind of tenor. And I feel the same way where I'm kind of like, mm, on principle, I can't fancy that blonde man because fuck that, <laughs> you know? And yeah. that's like an interesting perspective to bring. And then to have listeners who are not black women and kind of go, ha, huh, I never really thought about X. And we're like, aha, thank you for listening. Mm-hmm. Right. So, so, you know, um, we understand why it happens, but for so many people to describe the show as us just talking about hot men, that's not what we do. Um, and so what we try to do at, you know, at the very heart is get people to examine um, you know, why they like who they like. Um, and so we kind of push at that, you know, is this guy really good looking to you or is he just tall and white? And what does that mean that it's enough that he is tall and white and that's all he needs to be considered attractive? So we try to um, get people to just, you know, after they're through laughing at us and our silly auntie laughs and all this (laughs) kind of stuff, after they're through with all of that, we want them to just kind of examine their own, um, you know, what they've allowed themselves to like. And is that really what they like? Or is that just what they've been told that they're supposed to like? And then go from there. Have you, have either of you read Pleasure Activism? No, I have not. (gasps) I just lit up with the excitement of a book, a book. (laughs) (laughs) Um, She touches on this concept a lot. It's a collection of essays about pleasure and where we find pleasure and why it's a radical idea to even be able to experience pleasure um, and why it's powerful. And a lot of it does explore, like, where did we get the notions of who we're supposed to like, what's acceptable, what's desirable, and then what makes you desirable in turn? Um, It's fascinating. And you can kind of move around throughout different parts of the book because it's mostly essays and conversations, so it's it's nonlinear. But it really, it does touch on those ideas of, like, why why we like what we like and why sometimes we don't find ourselves desirable because of what we're told we're supposed to like. Mm -hmm. Um, 
now I just want to nerd out about this book and I'm trying to <laughs> sell. <laughs> I'm like, keep it in ADHD Schaefer, keep it in. <laughs> and you know, you touched on something when you're talking about that with the nature of who you desire. And in a way you're being really vulnerable in sharing this with people because in a way you're sharing what you find desirable about yourself too. Yes. <laughs> yes. Um, I, I tend to overshare anyway. Um, <laughs> like <laughs> I, <laughs> I consider myself a confessional writer, so I am used to kind of like exposing parts of my life. Um, but the show definitely has made me present more of myself, um, than I anticipated. And I mention this, you know, often on the show that I was like, Oh, I didn't think I would be revealing that today, but, um, mm -hmm. Yeah, it's definitely made me, um, you know, share stuff that I would not normally, um, like there is a Drabble that I wrote for uh, Jake Gyllenhaal that um, still gets a lot of feedback. It's been maybe, I don't know, a year and a half, two years. Maybe longer, yeah. Yeah, and so whenever someone finds the show or they're new to the show and they get to that Drabble, they light us up <laughs> because they're so um, overwhelmed by it. But basically the drabble was me being very vulnerable about not having straight, perfect teeth. Um, and so many people could relate to that and um, what it means when you don't have, you know, perfect Hollywood teeth and you're trying to kiss someone who does. Um, so um yeah, that was not something that I expected that I would share, but I did. And I guess, um, I guess I needed to, because again, a lot of people were like, oh my God, me too. Um, yeah. so I, I really appreciated that, that being old, that being open and being vulnerable paid off, even if it helped someone else realize that they also had the same issues. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, especially, yeah, because of what you were talking about of what's desired in our culture and then who you're allowed to desire and engage with because of the qualities you have. And may I, may I share a secret with you? Please. Sure. Um, I went to high school with Jake Gyllenhaal and had a crush on him when I was like 12. <gasps> oh my gosh. <laughs> Full circle. I love that detail. That's lovely. I love it. <laughs> He was a few grades ahead of me, and I definitely wrote in my journal. I, I, it's quarantine, so of course I went through my old journals. Of course. <laughs> because that's an unhinged decision to make. Um, there's definitely mention in my journal saying that I hope that he becomes famous because he's so talented. And I was like, oh. Oh, yes. Bless oh, you. Oh, what a generous childlike wish for him. That's so sweet. Bless you. Oh, that's that actually says more about you than anything we've done today. I love that so much. Just the the, the purity of that feeling. I hope he. I hope he makes a success of this. God bless him. That's so sweet. <laughs> I guess that really does. And I just was like, yeah, he should. If any of us should make it, it really should be him. <laughs> that's so sweet and pure. <laughs> really, really is. Bless. So I'm here to quite accidentally validate any thirst for Jake Gyllenhaal. Excellent. We love to see it. That's great. And so it also helps to kind of uh, nail down the feeling that we had, which is that he is a very talented, very weird uh, actor. And so it felt really, it felt really nice to kind of have people respond to that particular trouble, but also to have you kind of confirm that, yeah, he definitely had star quality. That's pleasing to me personally. That's really funny. And he's one of the few people from my high school I haven't run into in LA, though now we aren't running into anybody. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's not that kind of city anymore. Oh, I, yeah. I miss someone had written about like, uh, like, I think that they called it the city fuck around where you just kind of like go out for one thing, but then like a myriad of other things happen. And all of a sudden the day has passed by and you end up with like a book and a flower vase and you really don't know what happened, but it was a wonderful day in the city. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. That's, that's, that's always a nice, it's uh, rather that than any number of alternatives. So 
Yes. Yes. Yeah. And I was just like, I haven't had a good one of those. Cause that is usually when you run into your high school classmates, when you completely least expect it in the middle of a cafe and you're just reading and someone's like, Hey, and you're like, ah. <laughs> um, or at least yeah. that happens to me because I've looked the same since high school. And so I'm gravely alarmed when people recognize <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I've had the fortune of changing everything about my, my body. Uh, like my face doesn't even look like my face anymore. So it's like, you look familiar. And I'm like, nope, don't know you. Bye. So it's wonderful. <laughs> Speeding through life. But that's also, it helps to also move country. You're not going to bump into a bunch of people when you're abroad. So that's my tip. That's my free tip and my free like, hat. Tip? Yeah. You know, pull a face up and move to another country. Get out of town. Just go. You're fine. <laughs> Oh, I've had so much fun with the two of you. I really appreciate you coming by virtually oh, over the internet. <laughs> thank you. I'm so glad that it got to happen. It feels like we were trying to kind of get on one another's uh, calendars for a very long time, but it happened and this has been lovely as well. Thank you so it much. did the thing. I just read <laughs> arms out in victory, she says, in the role-playing game of podcasting. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you again for listening to this episode of Why Not Both. If you liked what you heard, please make sure to like us and subscribe to us on your preferred podcast platform. You can also come hang out with us on social media. We are at WNB the podcast, both on Instagram and on Twitter. This season, we are brought to you by Under the Radar magazine. Under the Radar is a nationally distributed print, music, and entertainment magazine and website. You can find them at www.undertheradarmag.com and feel free to support them on Patreon. Extra special thanks to our producer, Laura Studeris, who is literally a rock star. Thanks again, and I look forward to seeing you next episode.